0: I almost answered one in the first service. It went off way back there. And I thought, what would they think if I said, hello? Yes, I'm searching for, this is Pastor Jeff, and I'm talking to a few hundred people. And this phone just went off in our midst. I bet they'd never call again. Let's read. I want to begin sharing here in January, at the beginning of the new year, vision, vision. The Bible says, without a vision, my people perish But the Hebrew meaning for perish is cast off restraint. See, it's when you have a vision that you discipline your life so that you can achieve it. Without a vision, my people cast off discipline, cast off restraint. But with a vision, my people discipline themselves to reach it. We need to know why we're here. And so I'm going to share with you today the vision of the house, the vision of the house. And I want to read 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 10. And this is out of the Living Bible, so you're going to wonder where I got this. But it's, it's, it's the Bible. It's the Living Translation or the Living Paraphrase. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 10. Here's Paul exhorting the local church, and here's what he says to them. Let there be real harmony among you so there won't be any split in the church. I plead with you to be of one mind, one mind. And how do you become, as a body like this, of one mind? Here's how it happens you are united through thought and purpose. You are united under the same purpose. Can you say with me, We we are people of purpose? Father, thank you for your word today. Bless it to our hearts. And I pray for vision to be implanted in every person in this congregation so that we can move in one purpose towards one goal and touch our entire world for Jesus. We thank you for it, Lord. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him you're a person of purpose. Now let me just talk to you about purpose for a little bit. I shared with you a few weeks ago the story of um, two bricklayers who were building a building. And a man walked up to these bricklayers and said to the first one, "What, what are you doing? And he said, oh, we're just laying bricks. And he went up to the second one and said, what are you doing? And he said, I'm building a great cathedral. The one knew how, the second knew why. He who knows why will always rule over he who knows how. God has not called us to just know how. To build a church. But we have a why. Two Christmases ago, I walked into the dog pound here in Fort Worth. And I I really believe if you're gonna get a dog, you ought to go to the pound and adopt one so they're not put down. That's just me. Go find some scraggly, gnarly old dog and adopt him. Because that's what Jesus did with you and me. (laughs) We were scraggly and gnarly, amen? Amen. And so um, I prayed before I went in and I said, Now, Lord, show me the dog. I really do believe there's one that I should probably get, and that's just me. I believe God cares about what dog is in your house. And, and so I went looking all up and down these cages. And, you know, if you've got a heart, you can't go up and down these cages without pulling, because they all look at you with these eyes. Please take me. And so I was walking along, and I saw this little dog, little pup, about three months old, tucked into the corner of the cage, and he's looking at me. And I said, Let me see him. I want to hold him. So she opened up the cage and I took him out. And I could hold him just like this. And I held him right here and he snuggled under my arm. And the Holy Ghost said, This is him. I don't know if it was the <laughs> Holy Ghost or not, but it felt like it was him. <laughs> and <clears throat> now, follow me. I had to pay for him. I said, How much? And he was $85. All dogs at the pound are $85. So they said, $85. I said, okay. I had to go to the counter before I could get him and I had to purchase him. Now, understand that when I went into that pound, I wasn't just going in there to buy a dog and set him free. As soon as I walked outside, just let him go, running into the streets or wherever. No, I had a purpose, I had a plan. I had a vision for this little guy. My vision was that he would be playing in my house. He would lighten up our family, be an added joy and a contribution to the family. I saw him playing with the kids. I saw him fetching whatever I threw his way. I had a plan for him. There was a plan in my mind when I purchased him. I did not do it just to set him free. I did it so that I could take him from his imprisonment to my house. I wanted to take him to my house where he would be free. I pictured myself walking with him. Everything that I had in my mind for this little guy, he does now. His name is Ollie. I named him Ollie. Oliver. Ollie. It just seemed to fit. And now, man, I'm probably five pounds lighter because he looks at me every day, please walk. Can we please go for a walk? Now, he doesn't say it, but of course, with his eyes, he does. He has become a part of the family. I love this little dog. He has now been brought into my vision and my purpose, my intent for redeeming him from bondage and from certain death. If I had not purchased him, they would have put him down. He was terminal, except I came in, put down currency, and purchased him. Now, you were in a cage called sin. You were terminal. The Bible says that by sin death entered into the whole human race. But Jesus Christ one day came to this planet. He lived 33 years on this earth. He felt our pain. He was tempted in all points like we are yet without sin. He died on a cross of shame. He spilled his blood and that blood was the only currency at hell's counter that would redeem us from the cage of sin and death that we were in. But please understand that when he redeemed you and purchased you, when he came to your life, saw you in your sin, saw you living the way you were living, knew that it was over with for you unless you were redeemed. He purchased you. He convicted you of your sin by the power of the Holy Ghost. And when you came to him, got into his arms, and he walked you out of the pound, he had a purpose. He had something in his mind for you and me. Who would have ever thought, look where you came from. Look what he's done for you. Can you believe that on a Sunday morning in beautiful January weather, you're sitting here in church praising God in love with somebody you've never seen, loving the Word of God, loving the fellowship of the saints? Look what he has done to you and for you and through you and in you because he redeemed you. Amen. Now, here's what I have found. That the key to living a life that is full is finding out what was in his mind when he bought you. What was in his mind for you? Because Oliver was totally unique. We've got four dogs. Say, you crazy, boy. I know. I just love dogs. But you know what? My, my purpose for Ollie was a little bit different because he's my dog. All the rest of them worship at the throne of Kathy. <laughs> Every day when Kathy comes home, it's like the second coming of Jesus. They all go to the door, and they yell and bark and scream and howl when she comes walking in. And it's almost like this. We worship you. Welcome home. And when I come home, they don't even look up. it's really true (laughs) so I wanted somebody to worship me when I came in I had a plan for Oliver now listen you have not lived life in all of its dimensions until you have sought the Lord and found out discovered what he had in his mind when he purchased you he purchased you the Bible says you are bought with a price the blood of the Lamb of God You are purchased. And so when you find out what he had in his mind for you, then you have found out your why. And when you have found your why, then you have found your purpose. I hate to bring up a sore subject today. But I want you to know something. First of all, Tony Romo is in my prayers. God help him. I know it was a four-hour flight from Seattle to Dallas. It had to have felt like 12. That hurt last night. And as a man, I just need to say that. (laughs) (laughs) Then then I'm done. Just need to get that off my chest. You understand that? I told Kathy, this hurts. What did the newspaper say? Lost the game. Lost Lost the season in a snap. All right. When the Green Bay Packers had been losing for about 10 seasons in a row, they hired an unknown named Vince Lombardi. Vince Lombardi was hired to to resurrect a dead team. He came in to a team that had not won in 10 10 years, a decade. He gathered a team around him, and he did something that nobody understood at first. He held up a pigskin right here, And he said this to men who had played football since they were boys. He said, Gentlemen, this is a football. (laughs) That's like telling an archer, this is an arrow. Or a marksman, this is a gun. This is a football. Now, I know why he did that, and I know what he was saying. He was saying, guys, let's get down to why we're here. We're here because of this football. This is our purpose. This is why we go out on a team, out on a field, get beat to a pulp, risk our health, make six and seven and sometimes eight figures. Here's why thousands and thousands come to watch us. It's a football. It all comes down, gentlemen, to this is a football. This is a symbol of our purpose. He taught them all over again their why. Here's why I've hired you, Packers. I haven't hired you because I like you. When I hired you, when I drafted you, when I got you, I did it because I saw a purpose for you. Quarterback, corner, defensive back, whatever. I saw a purpose for you. That's why you're here. Today I want to give us our football. I want to tell you why we're here. Look at your neighbor and say, I wish I knew. (laughs) I'm going to tell you why we're here. Because it's one thing to know how, it's another thing to know why. And if we don't know why we're here, then we can't go forward. But we're going to go forward because we're going to be a church who understands why and not just how. I want to share with you the vision of the house, the purpose of our church. And it's summarized in a single sentence that I don't ever do on Sunday mornings, but I'm going to flash it up on these screens today so you can look at it and so you can memorize it and so you can know it. So can we do it, ladies? Let's just put that up there. And I want you to read our purpose, our football, if you will. Here it is. If we can get it up there and we'll read it out loud. Do you see it? All right, let's read it together, can we? We believe... A great commitment to the Great Commission and the Great Commandment will grow a great church. Did I get it backward? Okay, so it's commandment first. Okay, i am never, he didn't even know his own purpose and he's teaching us. (laughs) Let's try it again. We believe a great commitment to the Great Commandment and the Great Commission will grow a great church. Now, I want us to try it one more time, because here's what I want our church to be able to do. If I were to come up to any of you and say, what's our purpose? You could say, oh, I believe that a great commitment to the great commandment and the great commission will grow a great church. That's our purpose. That is our football. I could say, this is a purpose. This is why we're here. So let's try it one more time. We believe a great commitment to the Great Commission, and the Great Commission will grow a great church. Do you believe that? Give the Lord a hand if you do. (laughs) Now let's read what the Great Commandment is. Are you ready? Jesus said, love the Lord your God. Let's read it together. With all your heart, soul, and mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment, and the second is like it love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. That's the great commandment. That's what it is. Jesus said, you are to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And if you will do those two things, Isaiah... Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, and all the minor prophets are all summed up in those two things. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's it. Now let's read the Great Commission, can we? Jesus said, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. That's the Great Commission. Now we believe that a great commitment to the Great Commandment and the Great Commission will grow a great church. You don't build a church on wood, hay, and stubble. You build a church on the Lord Jesus Christ and his word. And these are the two stones, cornerstones, you build a church on. Now, if we were to take those two things, uh, the Great Commission and the Great Commandment, it would break down into five things. And I want you to read them with me. And as you read these, know that as a church, we will never do anything never undertake anything, never sink money into anything, never give our strength to anything that doesn't fall into one of these five categories. Are you ready? Let's read the first one. To love God with all your heart is worship. To love your neighbor as yourself is ministry. To go make disciples is evangelism. To baptize is to incorporate into fellowship And to teach them all things is discipleship. Here's our church. We are giving ourselves to worship, ministry, evangelism, fellowship, and discipleship. And if it's not one of those five things, we don't want to have anything to do with it. The Lord has raised us up. I want you to look around you. We are full, we're growing. On Christmas Eve day, we turn people away. God is blessing us for a reason. Because he knows we're dedicated to worship, ministry, evangelism, fellowship, and discipleship. He knows that. And as long as we do that, God will bless us. He will bless Turning Point Church. Do you believe that? So, Turning Point Church exists. Here's our football. Here's our why read it with me, to celebrate God's presence through worship, to demonstrate God's love through ministry, to communicate God's word through evangelism, to incorporate God's family through fellowship, and to educate God's people through discipleship. Give the Lord a hand of praise. Can you today? That's why we're here. That's why we're here. That's the football. That's our purpose. Now, let me elaborate just a little bit on these things and really get them down from our head into our heart. How many of you are thankful that God had a vision for you, a purpose for you, a plan for you, a destiny for you? Are you glad? How many of you can remember back to the day that Jesus came to your life and called you out of sin into his marvelous light? And you gathered yourself in his arms. And he walked you out of the pound and carried you into freedom. And one day we're going to be in his house. How many of you remember that day? Wasn't that a great day? Now do you realize with me that he didn't just save you from that pound to get you into the house, but he had a plan for your life. He had a plan for your life. So let's look at it. Amen. First of all, we read that we are here because of worship. We are here to celebrate God's presence. I love worship. I love worship. And I want to tell you something. Most of what God has done in my life, what really got me into the ministry was worshiping him. I believe that when you want to find out what he had in mind for you, when he saved you, you need to worship him and spend time with him until he tells you. In other words don't seek the call seek the caller don't seek the gift seek the gifter spend time with the one who touched your life spend time with the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light I never knew what worship was and I want to tell you I learned early on that there is a huge difference between singing about him and singing to him every once in a while I would see Christian people before I was really walking with the Lord they'd have their hymn books. There's nothing wrong with a hymn book. They'd have their hymn books and they'd be singing. And to me, it just looked very mechanical. It looked very, uh, you know, just sort of gratuitous. I'm just doing this because this is what we do before he gets up and preaches, hopefully not very long. And then we've punched our religious clock and then we're going to leave and go live in the world the rest of the week. And then the next Sunday we'll go do the same thing over and over again. And you would sing three hymns and get your sermonette to Christianettes and then you'd go home. But now, One day I was invited to a Bible study. I went to the Bible study this one night. And when I walked in, I was stunned by what I saw. Because I saw people with long hair, guys with long hair, blue jeans, pullover shirts. And they were sitting there with their hands raised, tears were streaming down their faces, and their eyes were not closed, but they were open like they saw something on the ceiling. And I remember thinking, what is this? And as a male, as a man, I thought, yeah, I don't think that I could ever do that. But I watched them. And you know what watching people sing to him did for me? It put in me a holy hunger for what they had. Because I saw something that was beyond what I had ever witnessed before. They were involved in true worship. I believe the, the shortest distance between us and God is worship. God has called us to worship. Birds were made to fly. Dogs were made to bark. Fish were made to swim. People were made to worship something, ultimately God. And if they don't worship God, they'll worship something. And sitting on the periphery of this group that night, I prayed a dangerous prayer. I said, Lord, I'll give up anything if I can have what they have. I'm going to tell you, suddenly something hit me. It was a power from another world. I broke away from this circle. Now grab the person next to you and say, hang on, he's about to go Pentecostal on us. I'm really not going Pentecostal. I'm going to tell what happened to me. See, I've got a testimony. And here's the testimony that honestly happened to me. I prayed that prayer. Here they are, hands lifted, tears. I'm on the outside thinking... I'm never getting my hands up like that. And when I prayed that prayer, something hit me. It was like wave after wave after wave of liquid love was poured into my heart. I was so overwhelmed by it. I had to break away from the circle, and I had to go outside. And it was in, in, a, in a South Dallas neighborhood. I was just in somebody's house. I walked out into the yard, and all I could do was I didn't know what was happening to me. I wasn't raised in church. I didn't know anything about this. I didn't know what the Holy Ghost was. I didn't know about any Holy Spirit. I just knew that something was happening to me. And I began to pace. And it happened stronger and stronger and stronger as if somebody had pulled the top of my head off and was pouring in this liquid love until I was overflowing, until I finally had to look up and say, God, if you don't stop, I'm going to die. I jumped, I twirled, I twisted, I shouted. They came outside to see what was wrong with me. And what was wrong with me is what was right with me, because God was touching me with the Holy Spirit. Now, you can call it a second experience. You can call it the baptism in the Holy Spirit. i had been saved. i would given my heart to Christ. I don't care what you call it. Does it really matter what we call it? What happened was the power of God touched me, and all that I could do was raise my hands and worship. All I could say over and over again was, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I learned guitar. R, C, G, and F, three chords, so that I could sing, He is Lord, God is so good, and Kumbaya. I know. I know. I know that I, all by myself, War heaven out with kumbaya. I know God brought my way people to teach me more chords and more songs so they wouldn't hear from me anymore. Kumbaya. Because I kumbaya'd a hole right through that ceiling in my little efficiency apartment. But I'll tell you what happened all by myself with nobody around, nobody teaching me, nobody telling me what was going on. I would just sing, God is so good, he is Lord, and kumbaya, until I felt the Holy Ghost flowing over my life in a way that totally changed me. And it was in the presence of worship that I discovered my call. And so we exist in this church, to celebrate God's presence. That's part of the football. That's part of why we're here. We don't come to sing three hymns and sit down and get a Christian uh, sermon at, to go home at. We come to celebrate God's presence. I don't come, I come to see you. I'm glad to see you, but I'm more glad to see Him. I love worshiping Him and being in His presence. I read yesterday, I read yesterday a huge article in the Star Telegram that was about Catholic people, precious Catholic people, and we've got a lot of people that used to be Catholic or or over here, Nicodemus is in the night, you're still Catholic but you're sneaking over here. I know who you are. I had a vision of you. And this article was about how these precious Catholic people who are surrounded by so much ritual are experiencing such a hunger on the inside of themselves that they say, we can't just do ritual anymore. We have to have an encounter with the living God. And so they're looking for churches that are worshiping the Lord in liberty and in freedom and in the spirit of God, not just singing about him, but singing to him. And when they find these churches, they can't get away from those churches because there is something being satisfied in their innermost, innermost. And that is God is t- touching them, and they are touching God through the medium of worship. And so I think people are experiencing a shaking and a waking. People are being stirred. They're saying ritual is not enough. Going through the motions is not going to cut it anymore. I've got to have an encounter with the living God. And so I'm doing it by worship. I've got to find God. I need a real God. I need a tangible God. I need a miracle-working God. I need a sin-cleansing God. I need a God that fills me with the Holy Spirit. I need a God who guides me. I need a God who answers me. I need a God who comes through in power. I need a God who is real to me. There's a lot of ways that you can worship God. You can do it by singing. You can do it by commitment. The Bible says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto him, which is your reasonable, logical service. And be not conformed to this world, but transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. When we commit our bodies and our lives to him, that's worship. Praying is worship. Hearing the word like you're doing right now is a form of worship giving your tithes and offerings is worship getting water baptized is worship meditating in his word is worship Uh, observing the lord's supper is a form of worship we come here together to celebrate god's presence and i don't feel like i've had church until i've sensed the holy ghost all over me and i am edified exhorted and strengthened in his spirit what about you And to all of you who are here as Nicodemus is in the night, we welcome you. And if you want to learn to worship, come right in here. You're welcome. You get your hands up too high. You're liable to get zapped. (laughs) People say, do I have to lift my hands? I say, no, you get to. I got to tell you, as a male, as a a young man, about six months I got up to here. And then I finally got here and I said, Oh well, and got here. (laughs) And I learned to worship God. It's just one way. You don't look, we all have our ways of worshiping, but He's a God worthy of our worship, amen. So can you say with me, we exist to celebrate God's presence. We exist also to communicate God's word. Evangelism. Listen to what it says about you, the church, in Ephesians three ten. His, that is Christ's intent was that through the church the manifold wisdom of god should be made known ephesians 3:10 through the church how's that world ever going to see a manifestation of god but through the church one day i was looking up at a rainbow and suddenly it hit me that rainbow was made up of billions of tiny water droplets who have all come together in unity and light is bending through them so that we see light in a way that we can understand blue yellow red green and we would never see any of that if there weren't yielded droplets the light was bending through this is a rainbow that is when we come together and we yield to him and the spirit of god touches us people walk in and they see god And that's the will of God. The Bible says in Romans 10, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But who can ask them to save them unless they believe in him? How are they ever going to say save me if they haven't believed in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells him? So we exist to tell. We exist to communicate. There was a woman in the first service when we were going around greeting people. She reached out and grabbed me, and she said, I want to thank you so much for your book. The windshield is bigger than the rearview mirror because it totally changed my life, and I'm here today because of it, and here's my sister, and here's her husband, and they were standing there. I could tell they were Nicodemuses, kind of wondering what did we get ourselves into. I said, this your first time here? And they said, yeah, and I said, get ready. And he got real concerned looking like, what, what do you mean? But what I'm saying is, is we are called to tell, and not just me. You're called to tell. You're called to witness. You are the church. And so God has called us to testify. He has called us to talk about what Jesus has done, to communicate God's Word, to evangelize. And you know what? When you evangelize, it always brings church growth. Now, I want to tell you today why our church must never stop growing. We should never stop growing. When we get full, we're going to build bigger. We're going to somehow expand. And I'm not going to consider that we've ever arrived. I'm always going to be going for more people. And let me tell you why. Because God loves people. Listen to what it says in 2 Peter 3.9. The Lord is patient, not wanting anybody to perish, but wants everyone to come to repentance. Everyone. Are you glad that he waited until you came to him? Aren't you glad that he didn't return and wrap it all up before you got saved? Aren't you glad that God was patient with you? If you had been God, would you have given up on you? Everybody say, yep. But God doesn't give up on you and me. His amazing grace keeps reaching. And as he reached for you, he's reaching for that world out there. And because God loves people, we should never stop growing. Here's another reason. Because God commands us to reach out. We're reaching out by radio. We're reaching out by books. We're reaching out in this church. We're reaching out by every means we can find. Because here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, go out into the country. Can everybody say with me? Go out. He didn't say expect everybody to come to you. He said, you go out into the country and urge anyone you find to come in so that my house can be kind of full. Oh, I'm sorry. I misread that so that my house can be moderately full. Kathy, I I really need these glasses fixed. Here's what it said. Urge anyone you find to come in so that my house will be full. I don't like empty chairs. I have a bad relationship with empty chairs. I talk to them. I say, welcome It's so good to have you finally here visiting at Turning Point. God bless you. We've prayed for you for a long time. We trust the Lord's blessings be upon you. And I walk away. He said, Well, they're not there yet. That's all right. My faith sees them there. When we put out empty chairs over here and over here, there wasn't anybody in them. And I talked to them. Hi. It took you a while, but there you are. Oh, I'm going to tell you, we've only just begun reaching out. This this is the core of what God is going to do. We're going to reach thousands and thousands of people, not just in this city, not just in this state but in the entire world. My vision is not just for this city or this state, but it's for the world. I want to reach people in other parts of the world, and that's what we're going to do. In just a couple of weeks, we're going to be podcasting, the radio broadcast, so that people in China, people in India, people in Japan can pull down that podcast of our service anytime they want and get it. And that's just the beginning. We're going to go all over the world. Yeah. God commands us to reach out, and it's God's will that we we reach out. Listen to this. Under Christ's control, Paul said in Colossians, under Christ's control, the whole body is nourished and grows as God wants it to grow. So God wants his church to grow. Now, there are people who say, you know, uh, Pastor Jeff, I just don't like big churches. Well, God bless you. Here's some of the excuses you'll hear for not growing. God's not interested in numbers. Have you ever heard that one? I've heard that one. God's just not interested in numbers. Well, there's a book in the Bible called, for starters. Now, how do you think they knew that 3,000 people got saved on the day of Pentecost? Somebody, how do you think they knew that out of 100 sheep, one went away, leaving ninety and nine? Somebody... How do you think they knew that next time the disciples preached 5,000 got saved? Somebody counted. God cares about numbers. Let me, let me just put it this way. If I told you today there was $10 in your bank that you didn't know about, you'd say, praise God, $10. Trip to Blockbuster. But if I told you there's a million dollars in your bank you didn't even know about, how many of you would care about numbers? Well souls have no value they're beyond value so you think God doesn't care about numbers yeah he cares about numbers he cared about you he cares about me he even counts the hairs on your head numbers well our church wants quality not quantity we're not concerned about quantity We want quality. You know what I've learned? If you really get quality, you're going to have. One comes with the other. Here's another one. Well, large churches are impersonal. They're as impersonal as you let them be. I admit, I've been in churches where you could ice skate to your seat. God's frozen chosen. I know. But I'll tell you what. You greet them at the door. You learn their name. You love on them, and God loves people, and if they feel welcome, it doesn't matter if you've got 10 or 10,000, they'll be there. You're only impersonal if you let it get impersonal. But all I ever hear about this church is that's the lovingest, greetingest church I've ever been to, and that's one of our strengths. Listen, people are won or lost at the door, not in here. Amen. So we believe that our church must grow larger and smaller at the same time. Larger in numbers, but smaller in terms of the way we give personal attention to every single person. Amen? And Jesus said, here's the end result of evangelism. The good news of the kingdom will be preached to the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. As if to insinuate when the gospel has reached the whole world, we have hastened the coming of the Lord. Now we exist to educate God's people. I'm going to tell you one quick thing about discipleship. It comes from the Greek word you'll recognize mathētēs. You know what we get from mathētēs? Math. You know what it means? A learner. When Jesus called those following him disciples, here's what disciples meant. It meant one who learns and then acts. One who learns and then acts. We don't learn for the sake of learning. We learn so that we can go do the word of God. We want to mix our faith with works. So we learn how to win souls so we can go win souls. We learn how to pray for the sick so we can pray for the sick. We learn the truth about our redemption and everything that the blood of Jesus bought for us so that we can appropriate it and go tell others about it. So a disciple is somebody who learns so that he can go do what he learns. What good would it be if you took tennis lessons and never played tennis? Or football lessons and never played football. What good does it do to be told about what God has done for you if you don't ever go put it into action? But we go put what we learn into action, and that's how we're gonna see the glory of God, by teaching people. Amen? Amen. And then finally, we exist to demonstrate God's love and incorporate God's people. That's ministry. Ministry comes from a Greek word that means this to serve. To serve. That's all that ministry means. Jesus said by this, all men will know that you're my disciples, that you have love for one another. Now, let me tell you that the heartbeat of Turning Point Church is our care ministry. That's how we serve others more than any other way. We have care groups that meet once a month or more all over the Metroplex. And I want to encourage all of you to be a part of one to ask God what your place is in one. And maybe God wants you to be a care leader or an assistant care leader but we minister to the body of Christ in smaller groups so that we can stay personal. Now, I want you to listen to what Paul told the Corinthian church about you, you. He said, now, God gives us many kinds of special abilities, and there are different kinds of service. All of you together, all of you together, all of you, every one of you, Form the one body of Christ. And listen to what he says. Each of you, each one of you is a separate and necessary part of the body of Christ. Each of you. Because of that verse, here's what we believe. Every member is a minister. Every member. Now, Pastor Jeff, you're the minister. No. Listen. Ephesians 4.11 says, God has given some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of ministry so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all become mature. So why am I here? I'm here to teach you about Jesus and what he has done for you so that you can turn around and minister that truth in works of righteousness to others. Each member is a minister. Every task is important and every one of you is a 10 in some area. Now, if I could take that, screw off the top of your head and put it down in there and screw it back on, and it would get down into your heart, we will not be able to find a place that will contain what God will do. Couldn't contain it. If we would go, wow, what did he have in mind for me when he came walking down all those cages and he came to me and said, I want you. What did he have in his mind? Well, it says the Holy Ghost has given every single member of the body of Christ a gift. Mine isn't yours and yours isn't mine. Nobody can do it quite like you, vice versa. You discover life as it was meant to be lived when you get your why and you begin to function in your call. Say, well, I I go to nine to five come home. I'm just a regular old guy or gal. No, you're a child of God and wherever you are, he's got you there. And there is a call on your life. And if we could ever get that, this whole city would feel it. And so would the world. Amen. Amen. Kathy says to me, she's going to be teaching the ladies. And she said, gosh, I get tight when I start to go do that. I'm so glad when it's over. I said, Kathy, everybody always tells me when you teach, you do great. I'm trying to get her to discover. I I look forward to the day. If I'm under the weather, she can get up here and just let her rip. (laughs) Kathy you can't see that can you Uh, well you could do it (laughs) she could do it we've all been called so can we say it together can you stand with me we're going to leave with our purpose in mind how many of you appreciated this today as you need this amen amen I'm sharing this because of where we're going. And I'm going to tell you, Kathy will stand with me on this one. There's no way we can do what we're about to do without you. Can't do it. I need you. I need you. I need you. We need you. And we need one another. All right. What is the vision of the house? Our purpose statement. Let's say it. We believe a great commitment to the great... And the Great Commission will grow a great church. Amen. (laughs) Praise God. Father, we thank you today that you're putting together a powerful church family. Thank you for the change that is coming that is powerful and good. Thank you that you have brought us this far. And we've only just begun what we're going to see. Lord, I believe this church will touch the world. Beginning with everyone in this room, we thank you for it, Father. And Lord, I want to remember in prayer, our, some of our church family couldn't be here today who are in the hospital. I want to remember Pam Eason and Norris Cole and Kathy, I'm going to ask you to come up, and would you pray for Pam and Norris?
1: Yes, Pam and Norris are both in the hospital for different reasons and different hospitals, but let's just lift them up. Heavenly Father, we do lift up our, our fellow believers, Norris Cole and Pam Eason, and we ask you to touch them right there where they are. And Lord, you know their needs and their physical needs right now. Father, we pray for your peace to be with them and their families, and that they will get a good report, Father. Thank you for strengthening them and healing them. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: All right. Uh, You have a couple of announcements you want to make, Kathy? Go right ahead. Go
1: ahead. Next Sunday, January 14th, we're going to begin a 10-week series for married couples or engaged couples. Uh, We encourage everyone to participate in that. This is a life-changing class that changed our lives. And by virtue of the fact that it changed our lives, it's changed this church's life. And so we really uh, feel strongly about it. We'd love to see you do that. You can sign up at the tape table. And in conjunction with that, if you say, well, I can't go because I don't have anything to do with my kids, uh, Pastor Tim and Maddie are going to have something special for the young people. And they also need to sign up at the tape table. And that's next Sunday at 9.30 a.m. And then this Saturday, ladies, I'm going to be speaking. And i uh, looking forward to being with you at the Rivercrest Country Club. It's going to be $12. You do need to get a ticket for that. And uh, that's for an all-you-can-eat breakfast buffet. It's going to be a wonderful breakfast buffet. It'll be a great time of fellowship, and I'll be ministering. And also, now everybody put on your listening ears. Women, if you're signing up to come to the ladies' breakfast and you need child care, yes, it's provided for 10 and under, but no, it's not provided if you don't sign up. If we don't know how to prepare for our children's workers, we won't have room for your children. So if you're planning on bringing your children next Saturday that are under the age of...